The Todd and Oz Show is live. Get in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Todd and Oz. Yeah, it's the Friday edition of the Todd and Oz Show. And yeah, you can join us anytime you want. We're here till 10 at 512-836-0590. Yeah, you can use the same number to text us as well. We begin with the big stories. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis testifying in court over alleged conflict of interest with Prosecutor Nathan Wade, who she hired to oversee the Trump election interference case. Yeah, the court also questioned their uh, their apparent romance and the use of taxpayer money to fund vacations together. Newsman Ed Donahue has the story. It, this, it, it is a lie. It is, it is a lie. Right, Mr. Well, Mr. Sena, thank you. We're going to take five minutes. Be back in five. Fulton County D. DA Fonnie Willis is hitting back at misconduct claims that threaten the future of the Donald Trump election interference case in Georgia. Okay, I'm very much want to be here, so I'm not a hostile witness. I very much want to be it's here. not so much that you're hostile, Miss Willis, it'd be an adverse witness. Your interests are opposed to Miss Merchants. Thank you. Merchants' interests are, are contrary, contrary to democracy, Your Honor, not to mine. Trump wants Willis and her team off the case because of a romantic relationship with Nathan Wade, the man she picked to prosecute Trump. So um, you and Mr. Wade met in October 2019 at a conference? That is correct. And I think in one of your motions you tried to implicate and slept with him at that conference, which I find to be extremely offensive. Willis says to her, a man is not a plan. There was tension always in our relationship, which is why I was give him his money back. I don't need anybody to foot my bills. The only man who's ever foot my bills completely is my daddy. Willis pointed out Trump attorney Ashley Merchant's interests are contrary to democracy. You've been intrusive into people's personal lives. You're confused. You think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial. Nathan Wade also admitted having sex with Willis during his separation from his estranged wife, even though he claimed in a divorce filing that wasn't the case. You said in the affidavit that you roughly shared travel, though, correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So this roughly sharing travel, you're saying she reimbursed you? She did. And where did you deposit the money she reimbursed you? Oh, it was cash. She didn't She didn't give me any checks. So she paid you cash for her share of all these vacations. And so all of the vacations that she took, she paid you cash for? Yes, ma'am. And you purchased all of these vacations on your business credit card, correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And you included those in deductions on your taxes, correct? No, ma'am. No, you did not. Oh, I'm Ed Donahue. It is uh, 535. Uh, jump in at 512-836-0590. Yeah, the White House confirms Russia is developing an anti-satellite weapon in space. House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner is demanding the White House declassify more information about this potential threat. And newsman John Stolness reports. Jake Sullivan briefed senior lawmakers yesterday to address the issue, which White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby confirmed involved attempts by the Russians to put an anti-satellite weapon into space. This is not an active capability that's been deployed. And though Russia's pursuit of this particular capability is troubling, there is no immediate threat to anyone's safety. We are not talking about a weapon that can be used to attack human beings or cause physical destruction here on Earth. Speaking at the White House briefing yesterday, Kirby was asked about U.S. defense capabilities against a weapon like this, that would theoretically be able to shoot down U.S. satellites. I would not uh, speak definitively about our uh, our strategic deterrent capabilities one way or the other. We just don't we don't talk about that publicly. Over at the Pentagon, Press Secretary Major General Pat Ryder didn't get into specifics, 
but confirmed this is not an immediate threat or an active capability by Russia. On any given day, the, the Department of Defense monitors threats from around the world. We work hard to mitigate those threats, uh, and we'll take appropriate action in defense of the nation. And so today is no different. Following the meeting, the man who set off the firestorm, Chairman Mike Turner, said he was encouraged by Sullivan's briefing. I think the bottom line is, is that we all came away with a very strong impression that the administration is taking this very seriously and that the administration has a plan in place. Uh, we look forward to supporting them uh, as they go to implement it. Some, like Democratic Congressman Jamie Raskin, disagreed with Turner's decision to put out a vague statement about the threat on social media Wednesday. I certainly would not have done it like that, but in any event, we are where we are at this point, and um, it's very troubling. However, former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi defended Turner's response. Well, he's the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, and I respect his judgment. And we'll be seeing, we're going now to Munich, uh, and so we'll be discussing it further there. But uh, uh, I don't criticize him, no. One can expect this to be a major topic at the Munich Security Conference in Germany this weekend. John Stolness, Washington. The Austin City Council struggled and dealt with another group of loud and disruptive pro-Palestinian protesters during the council meeting yesterday. And two people had to be forcibly removed from the council chambers after interrupting Councilman Ryan Alter in mid-sentence. Mayor Kirk Watson struggled to maintain order. Escort her out. Yeah, the Austin Palestinian Coalition is demanding that Please the Austin City Council approve a ceasefire resolution in Gaza. And some of the council say that has no impact on anything globally. And Mayor Kirk Watson was passing a ceasefire resolution could divide the city even further. Gaza, Ukraine, and American politics will be the spotlight at the 60th Munich Security Conference. Vice President Kamala Harris returns to the Munich Security Conference to speak about America's foreign policy. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas also attending days after Mayorkas was impeached by the GOP-led House on charges he refused to comply with immigration laws, which Democrats call baseless. The conference comes after former President Trump threatened to not automatically come to the defense of NATO allies who don't meet defense spending targets if they were attacked by Russia, which President Biden has called un-American. And amid ongoing concerns about the Israel-Hamas war and whether the U.S. will be able to continue providing billions of dollars in defense aid for Ukraine. Kristen Goodwin, Fox News. President Joe Biden will travel to Ohio today, more than a year after a toxic train derailment. Today's visit to East Palestine comes at the invitation of the mayor, White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre says. The president's going to hear directly from uh, the people of East Palestine. Uh, this is a trip that he has been wanting to make, but wanted to make sure that it was the right time to do. A Norfolk Southern train derailment in February of last year spewed toxic chemicals, including vinyl chloride, into the air, soil, and water. Water. The EPA administrator and other senior officials have made regular visits to the community, but President Biden has faced criticism for not visiting after making trips to other disaster zones. At the White House, Jared Halpern, Fox News. It is 539. Central Texas residents are being warned about a data breach that happened in late 2022. Officials say that they discovered this during an investigation that an unauthorized user gained access to email accounts with the members of the 277th District Court in Williamson County, who may have seen or taken some certain information. And according to officials, certain people who interacted with the courts before November the 10th, 2022, 
may have had their personal information impacted. Sensitive information impacted varies by person, but county officials say it could include names, addresses, social security numbers, maybe more. And officials say that they uh, they have conducted a review of this attack. KVU's Ford Sanders has more on the story. Data breaches, cyber attacks, they're becoming more common worldwide. We know that these kinds of attacks will only increase really in number and uh, sophistication into 2024, so we don't see it slowing down. Now, Williamson County officials say they've fallen victim. Officials say from November 1st through 10th of 2022, an unauthorized user accessed the email account of a member of the 277th District Court, which handles criminal cases. In a statement, county reps say, quote, the county conducted a comprehensive, programmatic, and manual review of the information within the email account to identify individuals with personal information that was potentially accessible during the event. Texas cybersecurity expert Mitchum Bowles says government entities are increasingly being targeted because of older infrastructure, they're underfunded, they don't necessarily have the protections in place for their data and for their emails and for their users. Some of the information at risk includes names, addresses, social security numbers, tax info, the list goes on. Especially for the data that they have. We see that for multiple reasons, but any type of data that's taken, uh, according to Verizon's data breach investigation report from last year, 97% of those malicious actors uh, are motivated by financial gain. County officials say they have, as of Thursday, reached out to residents they believe could have been affected, but declined KV's request for an interview. Newsman Austin Ford reporting. It is 541. Texas A&M Systems Board of Regents Committee has discussed how to train more nursing students to reduce the state's nursing shortage. Vice Chancellor of Academic Affairs James Hallmark reacted to our Regents' idea of the A&M system building hospitals and medical clinics. You know, what are some of those solutions? That was one of them that popped up was if we had our own hospitals, we're no longer a guest. That's the word that Dr. Horsley's been using. As a guest, we don't have the control over the clinical placement. If we had our own hospitals or hospitals, whatever the case might be, that changes the dynamic considerably. Regent Jay Graham of Houston suggested a network of A&M health facilities that would provide more training opportunities for nursing students. That is newsman Bill Oliver reporting. 549 here on the Todd and Oz Show. Joe Manchin floats a VP running mate if he decides to run as a third-party candidate for president. During a Q&A at a City Club of Cleveland breakfast, Senator Joe Manchin said that he has an idea of who his running mate could be if, in fact, he does enter the presidential race as a third-party candidate. So hypothetically, if I was picking my running mate, I, I would ask, uh, I would ask really who I would ask right now is Mitt Romney. Manchin's not running for re-election, but is on a nationwide listening tour. Mitt Romney's not running again either, but Manchin also suggested Senator Rob Portman. Maybe Rob Portman. Uh, Rob Portman would be right there too. Rob's a dear friend of mine. What a, what a good man. What a good man. Some Democrats worry that a presidential run by Manchin could take votes away from President Biden in the general election. But Manchin said a bid isn't certain and that his current tour of the country is meant to see if he can muster enough support. As for the current race, former President Donald Trump leads former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley in the polls in the race for the Republican nomination. President Biden, of course, running for Democrats and Robert Kennedy Jr., running as an independent. I'm Clayton Neville. The U.S. House is set to vote against a big piece of uh, Joe Biden administration's energy agenda. Nine Democrats join all present House Republicans to pass a bill rejecting a pause on new liquefied natural gas export projects. 
Republicans say the move by the administration would empower U.S. adversaries and hurt the economy. Texas Congressman Wesley Hunt represents a district with a significant amount of natural gas production. There is not a single country that produces LNG and oil safer and cleaner than what we do right here in the United States. Some Democrats argue the pause is good for the environment, and the White House says the pause gives the administration time to evaluate the impacts of liquefied natural gas on energy costs and climate change. On Capitol Hill, Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. It is 551, and with a look at Friday business, here's Jessica Edinger. Wall Street opens this morning after a winning day for the major averages yesterday, and the S&P 500 index is at a new all-time high this morning, 5,029. The market's sort of... Just forgot last Tuesday's big plunge over a small tick higher in inflation for January. They also shrugged off retail sales coming in much worse than expected for January. Expected to be down two-tenths of a percent. It's been running pretty hot lately. Well, we ended up with down eight-tenths of a percent. That is the biggest drop since March of last year. CNBC's Rick Santelli. Some investors say you really have to put January sales numbers in context. It doesn't mean U.S. consumers are struggling. January is an odd month, right? It's between the, the holidays, which is obviously a big spending period, and before spring. So there's kind of a wall. Clearly, the data decelerated. I wouldn't read too much into that, given the oddities of, of spending in January overall. Oppenheimer's Brian Nagel on CNBC. Jeep and Dodge parents Stellantis shares hit an all-time high yesterday on strong profit growth. And it's announced a $3 billion share buyback. Also hitting an all-time high yesterday, Facebook and Instagram parent Meta. Even as that company faces more lawsuits over danger on its platforms for teenagers. Home prices keep ticking higher. Redfin says the median U.S. home sale price rose 6.1% in the four weeks ending last Sunday. Over the same period a year ago. Inventory is low. So few homes are on the market. What's out there is more expensive. Jessica, what's happening to the auto darling, the electric vehicle? Yeah, well, they're expensive and demand has fallen. So the big three automakers are planning to make fewer of those EVs and to make more of what people are asking for, which are hybrids. Over at Ford, the pivot to hybrids is on. And they're also watching a competitor very closely. Ford CEO Jim Farley talking at a Wolf Research Conference, getting Ford up to speed in EVs and the competition. Well, I watch Europe. I was, you know, there to help build Toyota Europe from nothing. And then I ran Ford of Europe. And the Chinese are 10% of the EV market in Europe. And they were zero two years ago. So don't take anything for granted. The demand is in the market for hybrids, and they are pivoting to develop and sell even more hybrids. CNBC's Phil LeBeau. On today's watch list, we get the latest on inflation at the wholesale level. The PPI, Producer Price Index, will be out this morning. And it's the last trading day before the three-day President's Day holiday weekend. The markets will be closed on Monday. That is reporter Jessica Edinger. It is 5.54. The White House insists nothing has changed about the national security concerns surrounding TikTok, despite the Biden campaign joining the Chinese-owned app.
Fox on Tech. President Biden's re-election campaign is now on TikTok, despite the national security concerns. A reason why they're doing this is an attempt to reach young voters. Recent polling shows 60% of voters aged 18 to 29 disapprove of the president's job performance, and the majority of those can be reached on TikTok. However, the decision is receiving a lot of backlash from both sides of the aisle. Here's Republican Congressman Mike Gallagher on the move. We are going to effectively cede control of our news media to a hostile foreign country. That's unacceptable. I urge the president's, you know, Gen Z, TikTok-addled campaign staffers to reverse course. Reason being, TikTok is owned by a Chinese company, ByteDance, and there's been an investigation into TikTok by the government that's been going on since 2019. And further, the app has been banned on government devices going back to 2022. With Fox on Tech, Kelly O'Greedy, Fox News. The Todd and Oz Show is live. Get in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Todd and Oz. It is 6.05 here on the Todd and Oz Show. Yeah, you can join us at 512-836-0590. Listen, this uh, this Fonnie Willis on the stand yesterday, it may be the best thing on television right now. It may be the best thing on television we've seen in years. There were shades of the Jerry Springer show. Yes, I mean, really, like yes. Mari kind of stuff. Oh, it was beautiful. It really was. It, it was. It was. I had it popped on in the newsroom after the show yesterday. Yeah, and uh, kind of couldn't stop watching it for a little man, while. Oh man, oh man, what a day it was! Listen, you could jump in here at five one two eight three six zero five ninety. I'm not sure why she wore her dress backwards on one of the biggest days of her career. It appears that she did, though, and she had her American flag pinned sideways. Yeah, Sparks flew in the Fulton County, Georgia courtroom yesterday afternoon uh, when the embattled Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis, she took the stand to testify against the allegations that she had an improper affair with a uh, special prosecutor named Nathan Wade, which could derail her case against the former president, Donald Trump. Now, at one point, Willis was asked by the Trump lawyer, Ashley Merchant in a very heated exchange if she had any proof that she reimbursed Wade for vacations because the payments were in cash. The testimony, uh, well, at one point she actually, uh, well, she actually perjured herself on the stand and said that she took a lump of cash from a previous campaign and was spending it, you know, keeping it for herself, paying some bills. Yeah, that's that's a campaign violation right there. Yes, it would appear to be. She just admitted that on courts right there in the courtroom. Hey, listen, uh, you could join us at 512-836-0590. She thought she was going to walk into that courtroom and and be a bad boss, to be a baddie. And and, and I could almost hear um, the the smoke detector beeping in the background <laughs> as she was saying those things yesterday. I mean, it was, it was wild. Did you see her get on the stand there and uh, raise her eyebrows and wink? She, who is she weaking at? Well, I don't know. Was I, she weaking at, at, at Nade? I, I, it could have been. I couldn't tell either that or, or maybe uh, you know people in the in the audience. Yeah. Uh, she did call him a yeah. southern gentleman. Well, of course he is. This fellow's a southern. Of course gentleman. he is. He's a married man. Yeah. Of course he is. He's yeah. he's going out with the fling with the with the with the girlfriend a baddie on the side. Of course he's a southern gentleman. She got combative at times too. She did. All right. Listen. It is uh, five oh eight. Or rather, 608, uh, you could join us. Jump in at 512-836-0590. Listen, as expected, the Austin City Council uh, passed a resolution that is spearheaded by Councilman Ryan Alter to address the climate crisis, Uh as he says. Now, you got to hang on to your wallet because this is the beginning of a big money grab uh, at your expense. It's not normal to pray that our electricity will work when we need it most. 
It's not normal for my four-year-old daughter to tell me she doesn't want to go to the playground because the slide burns her legs. Poo-poo on that. What's that? What are you saying? What are you saying? <laughs> he, she, his daughter does not want to go to the playground because the slide burns her legs. I feel like maybe her daughter, his daughter doesn't want to go to the playground because her dad's a pansy. That's a rite to passage, man. What is, what is he talking about? Does he, have, does, he, does he not have any idea that in the 70s and 80s we slid down like metal slides on the playground? I still have the scars from fourth grade. Yeah. It cooled off once you took off enough skin. The kid's you know? not saying that. The kid is not saying, Daddy, I don't want to go outside. The slide's hot. Maybe, not, maybe the kid doesn't want to get on the slide because the slide's hot. The kid's not saying, Daddy, I don't want to go outside. Climate change is going to kill me and the slide's hot. Well, you know what? Considering who, who her dad is and probably what she hears all the time in that environment, that the, the, the climate will kill you. Yes. I bet she, I bet she is afraid. Well, Alter's uh, resolution will, uh, will kickstart a new public input session on an environmental investment plan. Ooh. That sounds expensive. Sounds official. Which is, he says, previously could include a major climate-related bond package on the ballot, possibly later this year. This is what more and more Austinites are facing because our summers are getting hotter, our winter storms are so bad that we're naming them like hurricanes. <laughs> we cannot accept this as the new normal. It's not normal to pray that our electricity will work when we need it most. It's not normal for my four-year-old daughter to tell me she doesn't want to go to the playground because the slide burns her legs. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's something else, man. What a, what a this, man. this is your. This is one of your city councilmen right here. It's a dude scaring all the women and children. What's he doing? Dude's just chock full of testosterone, isn't he? Yeah. Wow. All right. Just listen. Uh, uh, yet again, the Austin City Council, uh, they struggled and dealt with another group of uh, loud, disruptive protesters. Now, these are Zocadri constituents, pro-Palestinian protesters from the UT campus that stormed the city council meeting and uh, interrupted, uh, you know, Ryan Alter as he was talking about hot slides. Right. It's kind of a it's kind of an interesting, uh, you know, uh, an, an interesting perspective of city politics right now. You got Ryan Alter. Throwing a, a, a billion dollar bond package because slides are hot, and then you got this uh, this Zoe Kadri's uh, student union at UT storming City Hall, demanding a ceasefire resolution that has no impact. This this is a great snapshot of Austin, Texas, right now. Escort her out. Please sit down, sir. Y'all shut up now. Sir, please sit down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, have a little decorum. Hang on a second. Let me let me play this whole thing together because this, this really goes really good together. This is a snapshot of Austin government right now. It's not normal to pray that our electricity will work when we need it most. It's not normal for my four-year-old daughter to tell me she doesn't want to go to the playground because the slide burns her legs. That's messed up, isn't it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Two weeks ago... Residents from Santa Rita Courts came and told us about walls in their home that get so hot during the summer that they literally feel like they are baking in their home. Ugh. And the walls they told are so us about hot. how they're so it. cold Can't touch it. during the winter that they are just chilled to their bones. Yeah. Full of the hyperbole. This yeah. is not just a housing story, <laughs> it's a climate story. Oh. <laughs> this is what more and more Austinites are facing because our summers are getting hotter mm -hmm. and winter storms are so bad that we're naming them like hurricanes. Oh, really? <laughs> we cannot accept this as the new normal. Yeah. It's not normal to pray that our electricity will work when <sighs> we need it most. 
It's not normal for my four-year-old daughter to tell me she doesn't want to go to the playground because the slide burns her legs. <laughs> that guy right there, man. That guy right there. He's that's a that's the voice of a man that's never held a flashlight for his father. <laughs> it's not normal to face wildfires from all directions and hope the next one isn't next door. How did he get on here? The attention span of a goldfish. Escort her out. I'm not scared. Please sit down, sir. You think I'm making that? Sir, please sit down. (laughs) This is not right. Dude, want to step outside? I'll ask that there be order in. I'll ask that there be order in the chamber. 617 here on the Todd and Oz Show. A high-profile murder conviction centered around the fatal shooting death of a Black Lives Matter protester in July of 2020 is now under review by the Texas Board of Pardons and Paroles. Now, sources have confirmed that the board is reviewing Sergeant Daniel Perry's case to determine whether he could be granted a pardon. Uh, Perry was found guilty uh, in of murder uh, by a jury in April of 2023 and later sentenced to 25 years in prison. Perry admitted to shooting Garrett Foster while driving an Uber in Austin. Foster was armed uh, at the time with an AK-47 and Perry's attorneys argued the shooting was in self-defense. Well, the day after the jury verdict was handed down, Governor Greg Abbott directed the Board of Pardons and Paroles to expedite the review process for a pardon. After the review, the board could submit a pardon recommendation to the governor, which uh, which then he could uh, he could approve it. Uh, jump in here at five one two eight three six zero five ninety. Yeah, you know this was a this was a big 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 controversial situation. You know, in Travis County, a lot lots of uh, heated opinions on both sides of this. Um, you know, I I still feel from from a lot of the images that that I was able to see. You know, Garrett Foster didn't do himself any, any favor by having his elbow cocked up the way he did. I mean, that would that would indicate to me that he was pointing a rifle. You mean when he pointed the rifle inside the car? That one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah I, I've been kind of wondering about this, you know, because right after the, the conviction, uh, Greg Abbott came out and, you know, and immediately started talking about, you know, pressing the, the, the Board of Pardons and Paroles for this. Was it been about a year almost now? I guess it has been. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, he was uh, he was convicted in April of twenty twenty three. So uh, coming up on a year. Yeah, yeah. So this uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think, uh, unfortunately, if clemency is granted here, we, you know, we could see uh, uh, things could get sort of heated out there on the streets. You think so? Yeah, I think so. You know, a lot of people don't like this guy. I saw the, I saw Caveus write up on this. They called him a self avowed racist. So you know there are a lot of people out there that that have that viewpoint of him. And I think if he's if he is pardoned, well, he it, might be, but that's not a crime. Well, it's not. It's not. Yeah, you know. But uh, a lot of people would would. You know, there are younger people out there that would probably beg to differ about that. Well, uh, Doug O'Connell is one of uh, Perry's attorneys, and, and he's not talking about it. They just went before the board yesterday. Uh, a spokesperson for the Travis County DA's office uh, called the move uh, political gamemanship. Hmm. Uh, they uh, they sent a statement to uh, to the news outlets, KXAN reports. They say that uh, attempts by the governor to override the uh, the fair, just verdict of guilty after the defendant's trial for uh, political gain are dangerous and uh, for not only for our community but the integrity of the the justice system. Uh, the spokesperson told uh, KXAN in a statement, "We will continue to fight to uphold the jury's decision and insist that the board of pardons and paroles that Mr. Perry be treated like any other defendants, including that he serve out his sentence." 
He says our hearts go out to the family of the victim who have uh, yet to receive closure and instead must endure more political gamemanship, gamemanship over uh, their loss. Well... Well, those are politically. Yeah, uh, Garrett Foster comes from a politically minded group of folks. Of course, yeah, I mean, so they they they, yeah. they 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 feed on this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and according to KXA, and there's no clear timeline on how long the review process will take. But legal experts previously told us that, uh, to their knowledge, this is the first time that Governor Abbott has recommended a pardon review process. Uh, yeah, I I know that. Um Jose Garza is is you know actively in talks right now. Mm-hmm. You know, wanting to to prevent this from happening. The way I look at it is this. You know, they say, well, this is this. The critics of this say that this is a, a an affront to the justice system. Well, if 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 all the evidence was was presented, everything is is you know, as as if the if the case is as rock solid as, as prosecution says, what are you worried about? You know, there 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 should be ample evidence uh, that the board of pardons and parole shouldn't grant clemency right if, if that's what they're worried about yeah or are they worried because perhaps there's not enough ample evidence did you know? they convict uh, sergeant perry because of uh, some things he posted on social media or do they convict him because of uh you know the murder charge i believe because that's the argument that they all say every time you talk about this story they always go back to well didn't you see the stuff he posted online sure well i saw some of it and it was really bad yeah he he, yeah, he, he, he doesn't come off as a great dude i yeah. get that but those are not crimes yeah, well, I definitely think that swayed a lot of the opinion. You know, in, in this day and age, that's I mean, that's some heavy heavy weight the prosecution can throw around. They say, yeah. oh, yeah, look at this. He clearly was out there looking to do damage at a Black Lives Matter protest. So was Garrett Foster. Garrett Foster was looking for trouble. That, that's according to an interview that before the incident, he was carrying his gun around looking for trouble. That's what he said. I'm ready for it. Whatever happens, I'm ready. Garrett Foster is the definition of FAFO. Yes. 622. Uh, you could jump in at 512-836-0590. A telework policy has been approved this week by the Austin City Council. After City Manager Jesus Garza called public employees back to the office, workers grew frustrated. Well, board and commissioners, uh, they began passing resolutions to support the uh, work-from-home policy. And Ben Subley with the American Federation of State, County, Municipal Employees, union type, he says in this 21st century, uh, solutions to climate and transportation are a big concern. To save money by having people not make unnecessary trips, it is good for the climate. It is good as an employer, a large employer, when these big businesses are setting their policies. Yeah, the, uh, the council resolution encourages more teleworking citywide and calls for uh, a goal of no less than 85% of city workers uh, participating. Because that's how you save the planet. I guess so. Right, so that, 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 this was rolled into the, this, you know, this Ryan Alter sort of climate action plan they're all working on. It's a big buzz of the, of the week for them, apparently. But, sure. but that's their thing. It's like, well, you know, we've got too many cars on the road. Uh, this, will, this will help free up lanes of traffic and save the world since that's what we're going to do here in austin how about that so uh i i I, but that seems like a lot i mean 85 percent of eligible employees no less than 85 percent of eligible employees i think right now uh the 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 new policy as of early this year it gives the city workers the option to work from home by like 50 percent of the time yeah so you know i'm sure i'm sure a lot of them most of them probably take i guess i guess they're able to conduct the people's business remotely i guess right is that what it is i mean uh you know uh, taxpayers out there listening uh how do you feel about this Uh, does this uh does this affect you Mm. right i mean does it affect you i mean you in one way it affects you is you know the city has signed a lease for all kinds of buildings around town you know that they need employees to be in because they've signed leases and that sort of thing and maybe that's just a loss but 
You know, th- none of this talk saves the planet. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And and I you know I, and I wish they'd leave that out. It does make it cheaper to live. I mean, if you don't have to have a car to get to work every well, day, yeah. then you don't. You know, maybe you don't have a car payment, or maybe you have one car. I mean, is that what they're thinking? Is that what the uh, the environmentalists are thinking? Uh, I, I think that's part of it. Sure, yeah. sure. I, but what about like the oversight of our tax dollars? I mean, mm. if we're paying all these people to just sit at home and and do who's who's making sure that you know they're actually on the job? They're walking the straight the straight line as a public sector employee who's just hanging out in his underwear in the cozy confines of his house doing work. Does that mean that those folks that that don't have the option, some some city employees don't have an option of working from home? Yeah, Their job requires them to be there. Does that mean they should be paid more? Because if if some of these people are able to stay home to save money, that's the argument. Does that mean that people do have that have to come to work for the city of Austin should be paid more? That would be fair, right? To cover I mean, those expenses because you got to compensate for that's gas using the, and all that. Using the same argument, right? I mean, sure. Yeah, I'm just curious. You know, I mean, it's, it may create a little division. I I I could see it. I could see it causing some. But I think I agree. Yes, they should be paid more if you're coming into the office. Working for a city that has a policy of 85% at least eligible workers stay at home, then yeah, if I got to come in, you're paying me more. Yeah, I don't mean, I don't know if I'm advocating for that, but that's, I mean, that's that's their argument, right? Well, it's, yeah. It's cheaper for Austin, for city employees if they don't have to drive to work. Well, for those city employees that do have to drive to work, should they be paid more? I mean, it does only seem fair, uh, forcing it, them to come in. And, and, and you know what, that... <laughs> That actually might uh, that might lure some people back to the office. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Yeah, I was. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. That that's actually a way to get some back. Yeah. Six thirty two here on the Todd and Oz show. Jump in at five one two eight three six zero five ninety. Special counsel David Weiss has charged an FBI informant with giving false information after he alleged that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were paid millions in exchange for their help in firing the Ukrainian prosecutor who was investigating the Ukrainian energy firm Burisma Holdings. Ooh. Yeah, this according to uh, court documents unsealed yesterday. Alexander Smirnov, he's forty three and he's charged with making a false statement and creating a false and fictitious record uh, during uh, FBI interviews. Now, prosecutors say Smirnoff was arrested at Harry Reid International Airport in Las Vegas uh, this past Wednesday. Apparently spending some time at the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, Smirnoff, he, he appeared in a Las Vegas court later, uh, and uh, he did not enter a plea, that according to the story. The judge ordered the courtroom cleared after the, the federal public defender, Margaret Lambrose, requested a closed hearing for arguments about uh, sealing the court documents. Now, she declined to, uh, to comment on the case. And according to the indictment, Smirnoff gave false derogatory information to the FBI despite repeated admonishments that he must provide truthful information that he must not fabricate evidence. Now, the uh, the indictment says Smirnoff told the FBI agent in March of 2017 that he had a phone call with the Burisma owner concerning the firm's potentially acquiring a U.S. company and making um, an initial public offering on the on the stock exchange. Now, in the reporting, this conversation to the FBI, Smirnoff said Hunter Biden was a board member of Burisma, uh, though this was um, publicly known, in June of 2020, Smirnoff is accused of having told the FBI for the first time about two meetings that he had uh, maybe four to five years prior in which executives associated with Burisma uh, supposedly admitted that they hired Hunter Biden to protect us through uh, his dad, you know, from uh, all kinds of problems. That according to uh, the story here. Uh, jump in at 512-836-0590. Now, during that meeting, 
The indictment alleges that Smirnoff said the executives paid $5 million to each of the Bidens uh, while Joe was still in office. Now, the indictment alleges that Smirnoff falsely claimed the Bidens were paid so that Hunter, uh, with his dad's help, uh, could take care of a criminal investigation being conducted by the Ukrainian prosecutor, uh, Shokin, into Burisma. Remember the, the clip of uh, Joe yeah. sitting there and how they got rid of this guy, right? Yeah. So, you know, you don't want the money, well, you will cut it off, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Fire the prosecutor. Right. What do you make of all of this? Uh, jump in here at 512-836-0590. I don't know. You know, I mean, in that indictment, it says that, it, you know, he had... Uh he had regular routine business contacts with Burisma in 27, but later transformed his story into something more, uh, you know, extraordinary. But but in, in reality, it was they were very unextraordinary. That's what that's what he's at. So, you know, let's say this guy's lying. All right. Well, I, I still uh, firmly believe that at some point Joe Biden very much benefited off of his his son's business. I don't know if he's lying or telling the truth. I, I don't either. Which which kind of is an indictment of the FBI. Unfortunately, here we are yet again you can't questioning trust a federal a federal the agency. F, the FBI sources can't be trusted. Yeah. Well, because I mean we know if that, that's if the if 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 Weiss is telling the truth here, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh well, you know, I mean there were a lot of what how many a number of whistleblowers that came forward last year, late last year talking, you know, go, going before congressional committees and talking about this very thing. Um were they all lying too? And it's very possible all of this is a lie. It's very possible the special prosecutor got it wrong, Weiss, right? Oh, well, yeah, sure. It's all possible, right? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah I mean, when, you, when you're dealing with lawfare politics, yeah. trust no one, right? You can't. You can't. You're absolutely right. Uh, but, you know, I, like I said, I mean, even if this guy was lying, there's still a lot of other people with, with alleged firsthand accounts. Sure, Absolutely. All right, listen, it is uh, 636, and we do have that story. It's on our website at newsradioklbj.com, and well, you can jump in anytime you want. Uh, listen, uh, a lot of folks may have had some data uh, data breach in Williamson County. Yeah, if you've done any kind of uh, interaction with the 277th District Court in Williamson County uh, prior to November 10th, 2022, is that right? Yes, you, no, November 10th. Yeah, you may uh, your your information may have been uh, put at risk. Your address, social security numbers, maybe more. Uh, but this would be folks that have had an interaction uh, with the courts right. prior to November the 10th, 2022. Yeah, I guess they uh, they started getting suspicious about some some email activity. Well, they wait more than a year to tell folks. I was wondering that when I saw that this morning. I, I thought, you know, why why uh, why now? Yeah, uh, that might be something because because it says. And and uh, what I read that the county is going to you know be sending out e uh, letters to yeah. affected people. Sure. So this happened November twenty twenty two, and maybe they already now, have. Yeah. Well, maybe they already have, but yeah. I was under the impression they hadn't, and they're just not getting around to it. Here's KVU's uh, Ford Sanders. Data breaches, cyber attacks—they're becoming more common worldwide. We know that these kinds of attacks will only increase, really, in number and. Uh, sophistication into 2024, so we don't see it slowing down. Now, Williamson County officials say they've fallen victim. Officials say from November 1st through 10th of 2022, an unauthorized user accessed the email account of a member of the 277th District Court, which handles criminal cases. In a statement, county reps say, quote, the county conducted a comprehensive, programmatic, and manual review of the information within the email account to identify individuals with personal information that was potentially accessible during the event. Texas cybersecurity expert Mitchum Bowles says government entities are increasingly being targeted. Because of Older infrastructure, they're underfunded, 
they don't necessarily have the protections in place. Yeah, that's uh, Austin Ford reporting there from KVU News. I mean, uh, we get those emails all the time from uh, the IT director. Yeah. Careful what emails you open. Mm-hmm. Don't click on something you're not expecting, you know, that kind of thing. And sometimes they'll, they, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll make it through, you know, and, and it'll come from an email with, you know, the name of, uh, you know, some someone in corporate, say, for example, or, yeah. or something like that. And then... Uh, It'll say, uh, you know, hey, uh, so, someone's going to need you to run down to the store and get these uh, gift cards. Right, quick, right, know? yeah. But, uh, or, or, you know, it'll be a little link, you know, and it'll look, look official, mm-hmm. you know, clicking on it and nothing to good have. Pandora's box is I always that. click on the one from the Nigerian prince. He's always got some good information for me. That's Those guys for have sure, been pretty, yeah. pretty consistent over the decades. Uh, Robert is in South Austin. Now he's on the Todd and Oz show. That's a big deal. Robert, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You know, now it's really interesting the timing of, you know, Weiss doing an indictment on this uh, Smirnoff guy, you know, seven years after the FBI took right. the, you know, 1023 deposition form, or, you know, confidential human source. You know, why didn't the FBI do this? their due diligence seven years ago and investigate the veracity of this. Obviously, the answer is because, you know, the, this FD-1023 form is hurting the Bidens with these accusations. Now they're trying to discredit them. You think, hang on a and second, you know, Robert. Robert, are you, are you, are you alleging, and, and I'm not disagreeing with you, are you alleging that the Biden administration and the FBI are in cahoots to try to dismantle the case against, uh, yes. against Hunter Biden? They're trying to dismantle. Yeah, they're trying to discredit this Murnoff guy because that FD ten twenty three form is hurting them, mm-hmm. and uh, that testimony. And then, if you remember back last year, Christopher Ray didn't want to give give out the uh, the form to Congress because he wanted to maintain the confidentiality of this of this source who they said was highly credible. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, so, yeah. so why is he all of a sudden not credible? Well, and, his his uh, credibility exposed, his credibility is da- damaging Joe. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, Joe. Yeah, Robert. now they're exposing his name and and his who was supposed to be a valuable, very valuable, reliable human source. Now he's not reliable. They had paid him hundreds of thousands of dollars because he was so reliable. That's true. That's <laughs> true. That's true. A federal judge yesterday voiced concerns over a Texas law that would give police broad authority to arrest migrants, illegal aliens, on charges of illegal entry starting in March. And saying it would be a, a nightmare if the U.S. became a, a patchwork of states enforcing different immigration laws. How about we just enforce the ones we currently have on the books? That would, that's a good place How to about start. We all get, get on page on that one right there. Yeah. Well, uh, according to uh, the story here, U.S. District Judge David Ezra, he says that will turn us from uh, the United States of America into uh, a confederation of states. Uh, this is the same thing. Um, the Civil War uh, said, uh, he said you can't do that. Ezra is considering a lawsuit filed by the U.S. Justice Department. And what is the first legal test of what opponents have called the most dramatic attempt uh, by state police and immigration enforcement since, uh, you know, Arizona struck down the Supreme Court? uh, What decision was struck down by the Supreme Court? Now, the judge remained a little skeptical during a a three-hour hearing yesterday here in Austin, often sharply questioning the lawyers defending the law. It was signed by uh, Governor Greg Abbott. Ezra, who was appointed by the former president, Ronald Reagan, did not say exactly when he would rule, but he said he hoped to give enough time for uh, any appeals before it takes effect on March the 5th. 
Now, this is going to be, uh, this is a situation where uh, if you get pulled over by police and they determine that you're here in the country illegally, well, then they can take uh, further steps to uh, to take you to jail because of that. Class B misdemeanor. Right. Uh, a repeat offense could uh, carry up to, was it two to 20 years in, in, in jail as a felony, I believe. Yeah. Uh, you have the... You had the the lawyers for the the Biden administration in there arguing that that there is no invasion that the the, the federal government has not abandoned the border as as uh, you know the the defense was arguing, um, and that he, everything has been roses since uh, Joe Biden ended Title Forty Two and things like is that. that. Right, I, but it, it it clearly has not been. Well, they, but- they, the federal government has abdicated its duty. At the federal, at, at the at the southern border, and someone has to do that job. It's not going to be them. It's got to be us. Well, it's only recently did the Biden administration change its tune to say that there is a crisis. Right? They told us for more than a year that it wasn't a crisis down there. There's no problem. Everything's going fine. And they recently have changed it. That was the reason for uh, approving the uh, you know the the border bill package. Seems like they only started caring when Biden was Democrat being buddies. You know, in, in Democrat run cities, were all of a sudden getting affected by this. Now, Judge Ezra he became frustrated during an exchange with an attorney for the state who said the people with uh, pending asylum cases who were arrested under this law would not be removed from the country. And according to uh, you know they got federal protections. Ezra says you you just go to jail. Yes, replied Ryan Walters, the chief for the Attorney General's Office, uh, Special Litigations Division. Moments after saying there's uh, no safer place than a, than a state prison for a migrant to await for an immigration court case. Uh, four months of tension have escalated between the Biden administration and Texas over these issues. And, well, uh, I, I guess Judge Ezra, he could have a decision uh, coming up soon. Want to give the both sides time to appeal? Yeah, I, 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 he he's... It, you know, kind of pushing the the judge as uh, he, pushing back on the argument that there's an invasion down there. But you know, when you when you hear numbers like nine million over the course of the last three years, I mean, there there's there's a case to be made that there is an invasion down there, and that you yeah. have a federal government that has refused to do anything but talk and then point the finger at Republicans and say, well, actually, it's, the whole problem is is they caused it. They they didn't want to they didn't want to pass this border security bill that would have codified illegal immigration up to 8500 illegal immigrants a day in a law. They didn't want to so it's their fault. Yeah. But this is, I mean, it's being allowed to happen. It's being allowed to happen and uh I, I see no other way to I mean, that seems like a perfect way to describe it. The 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 Biden administration, the American Democrat Party is the one that's that's really courting all these people to continue to come up here like this. So, and the southern border. More than 20,000 Chinese migrants have illegally crossed the southern border in 2024, and the vast majority, according to the National Border Patrol Council president, have been single men of, of military age. What kind of national security issue is this, given China's hacking of U.S. infrastructure, the uh, spying that they do in the other directions? So look, we take that very seriously, what's happening at the border. Everybody, uh, we try to uh, make sure that... Um, uh, uh, you know, as it as it relates to um, uh, unlawful unlawful uh, crossings, uh, we certainly uh, do everything that we can uh, to make sure uh, that that uh, uh, that we deal with that in a real way. And so, this is why, to your question, this is why it was really important to get the border security uh, negotiation done. We understand there's a challenge at the border. We understand we need to do more. We understand that there's an immigration system that has been broken for decades. We had a bipartisan agreement. We wanted Congress in the House to pass that, to move that forward. And yeah, they- there you go. And they didn't. So there you go. That's uh, KJP uh, dancing around the 
uh, the question there. Sound a little like Kamala too, you know. A little and, bit. And, uh, she often does when it comes to the uh, getting caught with with a, a tough question. Yeah, you know how to answer. Are you concerned about the tens of thousands of uh, military aged Chinese men that are coming across our border freely? Well, certainly, I'm not pleased by it. I, I mean, you got to wonder. It's like if if you're if you're in search of a better life for you and your family, where's your wife? Where are your kids? And why is it just you in a backpack? I'm like, I thought they were the other dudes. I thought they were fleeing the cartels, the gang violence, and and a, and a horrible economy in in South American countries. Why are the Chinese men coming here? I, I, I mean, you know, the, of course, the narrative is going to be well, just you know, looking for a better life. And I'll, I'll give it. I mean, yeah, of course, there are going to be a lot of them. That that's it. But, I don't trust any of them. But well, you can't trust anybody who's who's pouring through this open border because you know for. All the good people that are coming through, there are a whole lot of bad people that have made their way through as well. There's no doubt about it. No one can deny that. And maybe, so you you unfortunately can't trust anyone. I mean, maybe they're coming here to pick up their spy balloons. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, so. 652, jump in at 512-836-0590. The city of Austin is seeking about $25 million in federal grant funds to help transform an abandoned railroad track in South Austin into a new trail system. Yeah, the Austin City Council uh, just yesterday submitted an application to the U.S. Department of Transportation Rebuild America Infrastructure. Well, the city leaders are seeking to fund uh, to support for the construction of the Bergstrom Spur Trails uh, to Transit Project, uh, a six uh, you know transit uh, project, the uh, six mile project plan for Vision Drive to uh, East Riverside Drive near U.S. 183. Now, approximately $1.5 billion is available as part of this federal grant money going out all across the country. Well, the uh, the city-led matching fund would come from the city of Austin's Urban Trails Fund from the 2020 Mobility Bond Package. So uh, we're seeking uh, $25 million from the feds to transform these old tracks into, I guess, like a hike and bike trail. Is that the that the plan? I, that that that'll be some of it. That'll be part of it. I think that that's always going to be incorporated into these new things. Doesn't necessarily seem like that's a, a top priority right now for us in this town. Well, the Bergstrom Spur Trail is a, is an urban trail with planned connections to major transit stations, further micro mobility stations, and transit enhancements. Those transit destinations include South Congress Transit Center, eleven Capital Metro local bus routes. A future Capital Metro bus route along uh, the Project Connect future rail line and along Riverside Drive. Hmm. Well, I, I mean, you know, it, I'm sure it'll look real nice once it's all, you know, complete. Certainly sinking a lot of money into something like that. We'll, we'll make it nice. But the city can't keep its own trails clean. Yeah, I was just about to say, you know, I mean, they, they, they will give it give it a, a year, you know, and, and it'll look like... Uh, Parts of the green belt do. Well, they say the, the goal of the project is offer safer eastern, western pedestrian and bike services and recreation into the area designated as a high-density, low-income, park-deficient area. Mm. So, parks. we got to have parks, right? That's right. These are, these are, we don't have enough green space. They always say that. We don't have enough green space in this town. Mm. I see a lot of green space, though. The Todd and Oz Show, weekday mornings 5 to 10 on News Radio KLBJ.